This is the Public Speaker, quick and dirty tips for improving your communication skills with your host, Lisa B. Marshall. Imagine you dropped the glass, boom, it cracked and broke, and you said, oh, purse. Sounds weird, right? You would never say that because purse doesn't carry any sort of negative meaning. When you drop a glass and you break it, you probably are going to yell, oh, shoot. You thought I was going to say something else. (laughs) Or maybe you say something even stronger. It's because it's your first and most emotional reaction. If you had a chance to stop and think about it, you might choose a different word. Profanity is often quick. It's unfiltered. It's just a reaction to an emotional situation. But there are times when profanity can be used deliberately in a speech or a podcast to add emphasis or to persuade your audience. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we talk about profanity, I watched a little profanity this weekend. Actually, I watched quite a few movies. I was enjoying my Netflix subscription. The movie that I think I enjoyed the most, though, was Enough Said. I don't know if you saw that one. It's uh, the movie with Julia Louis-Dreyfus as Eva and... She's a divorced parent. She's a masseuse, and her daughter is leaving to go off to college, and she meets Albert. Uh, Albert's played by James Gandolfini. And uh, in essence, it's a a romantic comedy. I thought it was charming, and I thought the acting was really, really good in this movie. What I love about Netflix is the flexibility. You can watch either TV episodes or movies, and they've got thousands of options that you can watch either on your Mac or your iPad or your iPhone, your TV. Of course, they also support a PC. And it saves time. It saves you money and hassle from the regular, ordinary movie theater experience, although I like that on occasion, too. So for your free trial, your free 30-day trial, you go to netflix.com slash That's a free trial of Netflix, instant streaming at netflix.com forward slash QDT. I thank Netflix for their support, and I hope that you also enjoy Netflix instant streaming. So in the first episode of the series, I gave you some reasons you should avoid profanity in either a podcast or a speech. But now I want to talk about when profanity might be used to enhance your message. So comedians, I think, of course, are the best example of public speakers who use profanity well. Shortly before he died, comedian George Carlin was asked about the idea that a comedian who uses swearing as part of their performance isn't funny enough without it. I'm sure you've heard that discussion before. And here's how he answered that criticism, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, that you don't need to, you're a funny man, you don't need that stuff thing. Well, my argument is that you don't need paprika or oregano or a few other things to make a stew, technically either, but you make a better stew. If you're inclined to make a stew of that type, seasoning helps. George Carlin pointed out that he can do an entire routine for TV with no profanity, but when it's his option, he chooses to use it. He wrote, why should I deprive myself of a small but important part of language that my fellow humans have developed? Why not use all of what we've developed to communicate with? Comedians who don't normally swear sound strange when they do. George Carlin mentioned Bill Cosby as someone who chose not to use profanity, who continues to choose not to use profanity. His audience would probably be super uncomfortable if he suddenly let out a swear word or a string of four-letter words during one of his routines. And I think 
comedians and public speakers have a lot in common. If you're a public speaker who's known for using more colorful language, your audience probably wants to hear it and would be disappointed if you didn't. But if it's not part of your persona, using profanity won't sound authentic. And that's really, for me, the bottom line. But let me be clear. When I say profanity can be used to enhance your message, I'm not talking about meaningless swearing thrown in every phrase or sentence. In part one of the series, I talked about a football coach who was fired for lacing his motivational speech with profanity. And he used the F word over and over and over again, and he certainly displayed his emotions. He seemed like he was out of control, or at least that's the impression you leave when you say that word over and over. But maybe he would still have his job if he had just strategically placed a few swear words here and there to express how he felt. Have you ever listened to a podcast or watched a video by Gary Vaynerchuk? He's a very high-energy guy. He's a co-founder and CEO of a social media marketing company. He's a public speaker. He's written a number of New York Times bestselling books. He's been a frequent guest on shows like CNN's Piers Morgan, and he's also a wine blogger. Gary's from New Jersey, fellow, fellow citizen of New Jersey like I am, and his enthusiasm is contagious. Just don't listen to him with your kids in the room. So I learned that lesson the hard way. Gary uh, used some very adult language to get his point across in podcasts and videos. And like George Carlin, it definitely can turn people off. But it depends on the situation. He's got a huge following, and I believe his use of profanity is partly responsible for that. People have come to expect profanity from Gary. So I think when used smartly, profanity catches your audience by surprise. It says, this point is really important to me. And I think that's part of Gary. His passion comes through, through the use of the profanity. And just so you know, when you do use it, some parts of your audience will connect with you better because of it. But of course, some will also tune you out for the same reason. So what I think is fascinating is that there is persuasive power in mild profanity, and it's been proven. In 2006, Scherer and Sagerin ran a small study where they divided up participants into three groups. They gave the same speech to each group, except one used a mild swear word at the beginning, one at the end, and one not at all. Then the two audiences that heard the swear words were more persuaded than the one that didn't. The study showed that using profanity in this way did not have a negative impact on the audience. So the lesson is profanity is more acceptable in some contexts than others. For example, an audience in the 18 to 25 range is going to be more accepting of swearing than an older audience. It's also worth noting that audiences feel differently about swearing from men or from women. Fair or not, we generally are more accepting of a male speaker who uses profanity than a female. And in fact, I couldn't even think of a single female professional speaker who is able to use or does use profanity effectively. But there are some comedians, but even those comedians, I think, suffer, the women comedians suffer some sort of prejudice. Think about that comedian, Kathy Griffin. She uses a lot of profanity, and I'm sure that there are some audiences that are turned off by that. So the bottom line is this. Choose your words carefully. 
Some people use profanity and it actually helps them connect with their audience better. But you risk, always risk, alienating some of the listeners. We know now that a few well-placed swear words can be persuasive and passionate, but overuse of obscenities, I think, diminishes their power. This is Lisa B. Marshall, helping you maximize sales, manage perceptions, and enhance leadership through keynotes, workshops, books, and online courses. Passionate about communication, your success is my business. I'd like to personally invite you to come listen to my new podcast, Smart Talk, Inspiring Conversations with Exceptional People. I'm excited my new podcast, Smart Talk, Inspiring Conversations with Exceptional People, is off and running and off to a great start. I'm very excited. I'm excited because I had an opportunity to interview Marcy Shimoff. Of course, you probably know her. She's a New York Times bestselling author for multiple books, but she's most well-known for her Chicken Soup for the Women's Soul book. But she's also written Happy for No Reason and Love for No Reason. She sold over 15 million books. Imagine that. She was a really great interview, very interesting person. And who else did I have? Oh, I had Jeremy Donovan on for a three-part series on how to deliver a TED Talk. That was really interesting. So if you hop on over to smarttalksuccess.com forward slash blog, you can see it over there. If you want to just check in on iTunes, you can do smarttalksuccess.com forward slash iTunes, and that'll take you to the link for the iTunes subscription. I really would love for you to check out the show, take a listen, and let me know what you think. Again, that's smarttalksuccess.com forward slash iTunes. And finally, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Netflix. This podcast is brought to you by Netflix Instant Streaming. You can watch thousands of TV episodes and movies on your PC, the Mac, the iPad, the iPhone, or your TV instantly, all streamed instantly to you by Netflix, which saves you time, money, and the hassle. For your free 30-day trial, you can go to netflix.com slash QDT. That's netflix.com forward slash QDT for your free 30-day trial. If you have questions about how to communicate better at work, leave a voicemail at 206-350-7970 or email publicspeaker at quickanddirtytips.com. Sign up for Lisa's newsletter or get information about speeches and workshops by visiting lisabmarshall.com. You can find a transcript of this show and links to connect with Lisa at publicspeaker.quickanddirtytips.com. <laughs>